Welcome to Set for Life with Pastor Ray Jensen. You can find us at setforliferadio.com. Romans 10.9 says that if you confess with your mouth the Lord Jesus and believe in your heart that God has raised Him from the dead, you will be saved. So let's listen from God's Word, verse by verse, on how we can prepare for the coming of the Lord and Messiah Jesus, who died on the cross, so that you can be set for life. You'll be set for life if you give your heart and believe what He's done for you. You'll be set for life with the treasure stored up in heaven when you're through. You'll be set for life. You'll be set okay, well, here I am again. Here y'all are again. Let's do it again. How's that? <laughs> and so God was angry with Israel for their sin, and so He sold them off to the Ammonites to come and oppress them. He sold them. I remember that was kind of one of those things. I can't believe God would do that. He did it because they were sinning. But Israel got scared. They repented, and they turned around, and they began to ask, who will begin the fight against the people of Ammon? They confessed. They confessed, and it worked. And now they're saying, we need to find somebody that's going to fight for us. And so now here we are in Judges 11 and 1. Who do they find? Let's find out. Now Jephthah, the Gileadite, was a mighty man of valor, but he was the son of a harlot. And Gilead begot Jephthah. Gilead's wife bore sons, and when his wife's sons grew up, they drove Jephthah out and said to him, You shall have no inheritance in our father's house, for you are the son of another woman. Then Jephthah fled from his brothers and dwelt in the land of Tob. And worthless men banded together with Jephthah and went out raiding with him. Well, this guy kind of turned into a bandit, didn't he? Uh, kind of went a little haywire there a little bit because he got kicked out. So that's Jephthah's background, the son of a prostitute. Now, you may think, oh, that doesn't sound too nice. Well, it's not ideal, of course, but God's going to use him anyway regardless. But his brothers ran him off. So now I know that I'm thinking in Jephthah's position, he feels rejected. He feels despised. Nobody likes me. People don't want me around. I'm just this outcast. Have you ever been there? You ever feel like that? Nobody wants you here. I'd be better off just leaving. It doesn't feel good, does it? Well, this is Jephthah. This is where he is. And so he had to take up a life of living with a bunch of bandits to go out on raids. That's kind of not the lifestyle you would think a godly man would be doing. (laughs) But that's what he's doing. That's the life that was forced on him on account of him being banished. So I have a lot of sympathy for Jephthah. Judges 11 and 4. It came to pass after a time that the people of Ammon made war against Israel. That's where we left off in chapter 10, verse 5. And so it was when the people of Ammon made war against Israel that the elders of Gilead went to get Jephthah from the land of Tob. Then they said to Jephthah, Come and be our commander that we may fight against the people of Ammon. So Jephthah said to the elders of Gilead, Did you not hate me? And expel me from my father's house. Why have you come to me now when you are in distress? Yeah. (laughs) Duh. You don't want me, now you do. You kicked me out, now you want me to help you. Okay, I've been in that situation too. People treat me real wrong. Next thing you know, they're begging for my help. And the first thing you want to do is, well, uh, uh, why should I help you? 
But we can hear that Jephthah is upset in the way he speaks to the elders. Verse 1 says that Gilead begot Jephthah. That means uh, that's where he came from. Gilead begot Jephthah. That's where he's from is, is Gilead. And so Jephthah is a Gileadite. And it's rather odd that the area of Gilead would send him away. And so it's no wonder Jephthah's upset. It's like he's rebuking them for how they treated him in the past. He's not happy with the way they did him. Didn't you hate me, but now you come to me when you need help. I mean, you can hear that all the time of being rejected is coming out in his words to the Gileadites. You didn't like me, now you want me. I think every one of us would probably react the same way. Well, let's see what goes on. Judges 11 and 8. And the elders of Gilead said to Jephthah, That is why we have turned again to you now, that you may go with us and fight against the people of Ammon and be our head. Wow, look at that. And be our head over all the inhabitants, uh, inhabitants of Gilead. So Jephthah said to the elders of Gilead, If you take me back home to fight against the people of Ammon, and the Lord delivers them to me, shall I be your head? I mean, he's like, you want me to fight for you, I get that. But you want to make me ruler too. He's, what? <laughs> Verse 10, and the elders of Gilead said to Jephthah, the Lord will be a witness between us if we do not do according to your words. Then Jephthah went with the the elders of Gilead, and the people made him head and commander over them. And Jephthah spoke all his words before the Lord in Mizpah. So, okay, the people of Gilead, they're facing oppression. This is serious. Remember, they got real scared. Uh, from the fact that the Lord had just gotten real fierce with them about their sin, saying, I will deliver you no more. That will wake anybody up. Here they are. They've, got to, they've really got to do something. And so the leaders of Gilead were driven by their need for survival. They need to survive against the Ammonites. So that even after Jephthah rebukes them and gets upset with them, they still persist. They still say, look, Jephthah, we need you. We need your, your kind of style. He goes out on raids, and he goes, we need a guy like this. Jephthah knows how to get it done. That's why they went to get him. And so what a turnaround, though. I mean, when you're offered to be head of the very place that told you to leave, <laughs> get out. No, wait a minute. Come in here and rule. Wow. I mean, what a turnaround to see that kind of thing happen. And so verse, seven, verse 11 says the people made him head and commander of them, and he spoke all his words before the Lord in Mizpah. What that means is that he took the oath of office. He spoke the words. Like when we have a formal ceremony uh, for like the President of the United States, they get on the Capitol and he does the oath of office and he speaks his words before everybody at the Capitol. Well, Jephthah spoke his words before the Lord at Mizpah. So he, he's, he's now activated in that office. Now, I mean, this is a big circle for a guy that was once banished, and he's now accepted by those who once rejected him. Ooh, I see Jesus here again. <laughs> oh, I'm, a, I'm, I'm a New Testament Christian. I'll show you the gospel in the Old Testament every time. Here's Jesus in here, a picture, a foreshadow. Judges 11 and 12. Now Jephthah sent messengers to the king of the people of Ammon, saying, what do you have against me that you have come to fight against me in my land? You see how he's already taking ownership of his title. That's so good. My land. Verse 13. And the king of the people of Ammon answered the messengers of Jephthah, because Israel took away my land when they came up out of Egypt. 
from the Arnon as far as the Jabbok and to the Jordan. Now, therefore, restore those lands peaceably. Okay, Jephthah just said, my land. The king of Ammon said, uh-uh, my land. <laughs> That's mine. No, it's mine. It's, it's like the same with kids fighting over toy, except the land actually belongs to Israel. But, okay, so one thing about Jephthah here is he first tries diplomacy. It's not like, all right, get the swords, let's mount up and go chop them up. He tries diplomacy. He sends a message. Always try diplomacy first. Don't just go to war with people. Try to talk. Reason. It's always a better way to go. So he asked the Ammonites, he asked them why the Ammonites went to attack Gilead. And the king's reply back was an accusation. He accused them. When Israel came out of Egypt, they took my land, is basically what the king said. But you notice in Jephthah's message, he says, why did y'all attack my land? My land. He's already, even in the diplomacy, he's standing firm. See, when people want to argue with you, even theology or anything, you never leave the firm place of truth. Never step over where, into their field where they make the rules and determine the penalties. They will beat you every time. Never go, well, okay, let's suppose it is your land for a moment. No, he didn't do that. He said, my land. You stand on the firm truth of God's word. Don't ever let people pull you off and go, well, suppose for a minute that God's not real. Don't go there. He is real. Stay there. Okay, that's what Jephthah's doing. He's, he's coming from the stance that it is his land. Why did you attack my land? And guys, this is a problem here that's been going on for centuries with Israel. They're saying this is our land, and all these other countries around them are saying, no, it's not. We're going to come take it. Israel's like, no, it's ours. This has been going on a long, long time. Long time. People say today, oh, it's fighting about oil. Was this about oil? <laughs> no. This is about people that don't believe, just want to knock God's people out. That's what it is. It's not oil. It's not economics. It's godliness is all this is about. They want to knock God's people over. Scripture says that the Lord told Abram in Genesis 13, 15, he says, For all the land which you see, I give to you and your descendants forever. It's theirs forever. It's always going to be theirs. Nobody can come and take it and contest that it's really our land. That land belongs to Israel. It's in the Bible there. I don't have to say another thing. But unbelievers that don't regard the God of Israel, they are fighting against the promises and the prophecies of God still to this day. If we can just get Israel knocked out of the way, all those prophecies come crumbling down, and God's not going to let it happen. That's why when you turn on the news, there's some new thing about, oh, in Israel today, this country against Israel today. That's why this is going on, because the world stands against God and His promises and God and His people and against God and His prophecy. And if they can knock Israel out of there, they knock it all out. That's why they're after Israel. This land is no one's but Israel's because God gave it to them. Now, Judges 11 and 14. So Jephthah again sent messengers to the king of the people of Ammon. And said to him, Thus says Jephthah, Israel did not take away the land of Moab, nor the land of the people of Ammon. For when Israel came up from Egypt, they walked through the wilderness as far as the Red Sea and came to Kadesh. Then Israel sent messengers to the king of Edom, saying, Please let me pass through your land. But the king of Edom would not heed. And in like manner, they sent to the king of Moab. And, uh, but he would not consent. So Israel remained in Kadesh. 
And they went along through the wilderness and bypassed the land of Edom and the land of Moab, came to the east side of the land of Moab, and encamped on the other side of the Arnon. But they did not enter the border of Moab, for the Arnon was the border of Moab. Then Israel sent messengers to Sihon, king of the Amorites, king of Heshbon and Israel, and said to him, Please let us pass through your land into our place. But Sihon did not trust Israel to pass through his territory. So Sihon gathered all his people together, encamped in Jahaz, and fought against Israel. And the Lord God of Israel delivered Sihon and all his people into the hand of Israel, and they defeated them. Thus Israel gained possession of all the land of the Amorites who inhabited that country. They took possession of all the territory of the Amorites from the Arnon to the Jabbok and from the wilderness to the Jordan. Wow, okay, Israel didn't come charging in, we're taking it. Man, they were, can we pass through? No. Can we pass through? No. So we'll go over here. Can we pass through? No. Can we pass through? No. That doesn't sound like a country that's coming in to just say, I'll just take it. They're trying to be as nice as they can. <laughs> Jephthah just demonstrated that he knows his history, and he used his, his, the historical knowledge that he has to refute the Ammonites' king's claim that Israel is the one that did anything wrong. We didn't do anything wrong, like the king said. We didn't do that. That's not how it went down. The king claimed that Israel just pounced in and stole everything, but Jephthah explained a very different but factually correct story about how Israel asked three different nations, can we just merely pass through? I mean, they asked. They didn't come in saying, hey, we got swords, we're passing through, whether you like it or not. They asked permission. And when they were denied it, okay, we'll go the long way, I guess. And they went on. They were denied permission every single time. And when Sihon said no, not only did they deny Israel passage, but they also went out to fight them. He could have just said no and left it alone, but he said no, and we're going to fight you. Israel's got it tough. But when Sihon charged in and started the fight, Israel did indeed finish it, because the Lord delivered them into their hands. And so Jephthah is explaining that Israel never came looking to start war but they gained the land of those who brought the fight to them. Very different than what king, uh, the king of Ammon said. It's like my dad told me when I was young. He says, don't you ever throw the first punch, but if they do, you finish it. <laughs> Israel didn't start it, but they did finish it. And so Jephthah countered the king's claim that Israel started the whole thing. He countered that. Israel has a right to this land, and so Jephthah's claim still stands. My people have the right to be here. And Jephthah goes on to say in Judges eleven twenty three, And now the Lord God of Israel has dispossessed the Amorites from before his people Israel. Should you then possess it? Will you not possess whatever Chemosh your God gives you to possess? So whatever the Lord our God takes possession before us, we will possess. Jephthah is saying that the Lord has given this land to Israel, and he wrapped up his argument by bringing up the fact that the Ammonites believed that their god, Chemosh, had given them the land that they live on. And so, in effect, Jephthah is basically saying, if you believe that your god entitles you to live on your land, then the same goes for us. Then we are entitled to the land that our god gave us. If you get to do it, we get to do it. 
I think he's kind of making a hypocrite out of this King Ammon, isn't he? he? He's kind of showing this guy. So whatever the Lord our God takes possession of, we will possess. If that's how y'all are, then by God, we're going to do it too. Again, this is an attempt at diplomacy that he's trying. It's trying before just running to war. But he's not taking any flack off of the king of Ammon. So though the, the hypocritical king, though, he's, he's not going to respond well to an argument like this, which I think Jephthah had a really good angle here. He used historical facts to prove we have the right to be here. King Ammon's not going to do well with this. Judges 11.25. And now, are you any better than Balak, the son of Zippor, king of Moab? Did he ever strive against Israel? Did he ever fight against them? While Israel dwelt in Heshbon and its villages, in Aror and its villages, and in all the cities along the banks of the Arnon for 300 years, why did you not recover them within that time? Therefore, I have not sinned against you, but you wronged me by fighting against me. May the Lord, the judge, render judgment this day between the children of Israel and the people of Ammon. That is some serious diplomacy. <laughs> That's tough stuff. The reason that Jephthah mentions Balak, king of Moab, is because part of the land that Israel is occupying used to belong to Balak. Israel is in what used to be Balak's territory. It used to belong to him. But Balak consented to Israel's right to be there. They came in, and Balak says, I get it. Y'all go ahead. And he let them stay there. Balak recognized that Israel is entitled to that land, and so he's not trying to make a big fuss with Israel over it. That's why Jephthah says, did he ever strive against Israel? Did Balak ever fight with us? No, he didn't. And the king of Ammon knows this. He knows that Balak said, yeah, y'all get to stay here. So he let Israel stay there. And so Jephthah gives the king of Ammon yet another history lesson by reminding him, maybe informing him rather, that the land that he stands in, the land that, king, that the king of Ammon, that where he's standing right now, the land that he claims belongs to the Ammonites, had actually once belonged to Israel before the Ammonites even got there. He's really taken him way back in history now, where you're standing used to belong to Israel. And so that's where Jephthah says that first, Israel dwelt in the Ammonites' land first for 300 years. Did y'all see that? For three centuries before the Ammonites ever showed up. And so he asked them, why did you not recover them within that time? If this is yours, you had 300 years to do something about it. How come you didn't? What's the problem? We were here first. This is actually ours. We were here first, and we took nothing that God did not give to us. And if you're so entitled to your land, then why should we not be entitled to ours? He's making a good case, if you ask me. Judges eleven twenty eight. However, the king of the people of Ammon did not heed the words which Jephthah sent him. <laughs> oh, well, that just makes it easy. Oh, I'm not going to listen to you no more. <laughs> I think he owned him. I think he owned the king of Ammon. What do you say to that? Okay, I'm not going to listen to you no more. <laughs> oh, boy. Looks to me like the king of Ammon cannot take what he dishes out. Accusation. Well, Jephthah owned him with historical facts. Look, man, Israel came 
here not looking for war. We tried to come as nice as possible. People turned us around. They wouldn't let us come through. So instead of just fight, we'd go to the next group and they'd turn us around too, over and over again. We did everything we could to do everything peaceably. We never took anything we were not entitled to. And we were here before you were ever here anyway. And you're just going to stop listening. (laughs) Real diplomacy there. (laughs) King couldn't take it. But he kept the threat of oppression on Israel anyway. Have you ever heard the phrase, you can't argue with stupidity? That's what I think is going on here. You just, you just can't argue with it. Why? Well, because it's stupid. <laughs> People won't listen. Don't waste time arguing with stupidity. The enemy, did you realize, though, the enemy in this case, or, or in our case too, the enemy does not need a reason to hate you. Do you know that? The enemy doesn't need a reason to hate you. The enemy just hates you because that's what the enemy is. The enemy is hate. However, flip side, God does not need a reason to love you either. He does not need a reason to love you. He just does because love is who God is. That's good to know. So when you have the people people coming at you hating you, I didn't do anything to deserve this. Well, guess what? Just remember the flip side of the coin. God loves you, and you didn't do anything to deserve that either. That's how I deal with people that hate me. Why are they, what's their problem? I just go, yeah, God loves me, and I didn't do anything to deserve that. So just remember the flip side when people come at you, okay? You don't have to perform some kind of extraordinary task to get God to start loving you. He always has. God is love, for God so loved the world. But the enemy hates. Because that's what the enemy is. The enemy is hate. When someone hates you, don't get stuck trying to figure it out. I can see Jephthah here. Why does this king hate us so much? I'm going to let that burn me up. He didn't. He realized, okay, he just doesn't like the people of God. I'm going to stick to the facts. God's behind us. God supports us. God entitled us to this. That's all we need. We need to learn from Jephthah in this. When people come at you, don't let them destroy your world. Remember the promises of God that God loves you and go, I'm standing right here when God promised me. That's all I have to do. Let God fight for you. You don't have to go to war with them like that. So you have the king of Ammon who hates Israel regardless of the history and facts. He's just not listening anymore. Now watch what the Holy Spirit enables Jephthah to do. Judges 11.29 Then the Spirit of the Lord came upon Jephthah, And he passed through Gilead and Manasseh and passed through Mizpah of Gilead. And from Mizpah of Gilead, he advanced toward the people of Ammon. Uh, Guys, just pause real quick. This is boldness. He's going right towards them. Okay, the diplomacy didn't work. He's not, king's not listening no more. Let's go. And he's walking. These guys want to fight. They want to kill. We're going that way. Guys, look, I, I, I know that some of the things we do here at this church, for instance, I'm just going to bring it up again. The first Saturday of the month, we pray at Planned Parenthood for repentance and against abortion. And that's bold stuff. And it's, it's a scary thing to do. Some people are like, yeah, I, don't, I don't know, that's kind of a little rough for me. Somebody's got to do it. Somebody has to demonstrate we're not going to permit this. We don't approve of this. And it's bold walking, and we just need to be bold, right?
you for listening to Set for Life. We hope you can join us next time, unless Jesus returns for us first. Set for Life is the radio ministry of Pastor Ray Jensen. We invite you to subscribe to our podcast at setforliferadio.com. Hi, this is Ray Jensen. Thank you for giving me the opportunity to encourage you in God's Word. If the Bible doesn't excite you, then you're not reading it. I want you to remember that you are not worthless. You are priceless. Messiah Jesus died on the cross to redeem you so that you can be set for life. You'll be set for life.